G'day, Nigel Moore from the Tech Tribe here, and instead of blasting you with an advert, I want to instead congratulate the heck out of your awesome host, Richard, for not only this being his 50th episode, but also that he's been able to get the legendary David Allen of Getting Things Done fame on as a guest. How cool is that? If I look back on the great catalysts or turning points in my life, one of the major ones was reading David's book nearly a decade ago. It honestly changed so much of my thinking about productivity and just frankly getting things done. So congratulations, Richard. I am super pumped about this one. Over to you guys to dive right on in. You're listening to Tub Talk, the podcast for IT business owners with our featured conversation with Richard Tubb and David Allen of Getting Things Done. My name is Jeff Nicholson, and this podcast is all about helping you grow your IT business. In this episode, Richard talks with David Allen, one of the world's most influential thinkers on productivity with 35 years of experience as a management consultant and executive coach. His GTD methodology has become a global phenomenon, being taught by training companies in 60 countries. You'll hear how David came up with the idea of getting things done and how this became a book series and a methodology. You'll also hear David's tips for using GTD to get the most from it, the someday maybe lists and how having structured days gives you time to be more focused. This episode was recorded between Richard at his home in Newcastle-upon-Tyne and David at his home in Amsterdam. And now, without further ado, here's Richard Tubb talking with David Allen. Hey folks, Richard Tubb here with a very special interview for the 50th episode of Tub Talk, and I could not be more excited for our guest today. To call my guest today a best-selling author and a world-famous speaker would be to severely undersell his impact. Released in 2001, his first book, Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity, became more than just a book. The GTD methodology has become a movement with everyone from business leaders to musicians and artists using GTD to become better at what they do. On a personal level, for me, GTD is one of the three books that I cite as life-changing for me, and that's a term I don't use lightly. Uh, I can say from being one of the world's biggest procrastinators, GTD has enabled me to build successful businesses, and more than that, has given me the confidence to fulfill a lot of my personal potential. So it's with absolute great pleasure and an honor that I'm joined today by David Allen. David, welcome to Tub Talk. Richard, delighted to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Oh, my pleasure. Now, I'm at home in Newcastle-upon-Tyne, so if I wave and squint, uh, and you squint, I should say, you should just be able to see me from across the water in Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you lived in the Netherlands almost, now? Almost five years now, four and a half, yeah. Wow, yeah, you and, my, and your wife Catherine were very kind to host me and my wife Claire um, when we were in Amsterdam a few months ago. It's a beautiful part of the world. I could definitely see why you like living there. What prompted the move from, from the States? To we wanted to get out of the States and... and uh, figured Europe was the sort of target destination. Um, we'd been to Amsterdam two or three times already, and had fallen in love with the city. As you know, it's an eye candy, eye candy city, and and um, um, it, frankly, it's cheaper than London and warmer than Stockholm. So, you know, and it has more interesting skies than Berlin or Copenhagen. So, you know, a lot of a lot of factors. But and we didn't know how long we were going to stay here. But golly, we 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 were sort of courting it to begin with and then totally fell in love we're still in love with the city and you know quality of life here is fabulous and it's really much more the center of my world than santa barbara california was uh that you know that the fact that gtd has gone somewhat global these days so 
Yeah, well, America's loss is our gain here, David. I'm glad you're, <laughs> glad you're just across the water. <laughs> well, we somehow had some, an intuition that maybe it was time to <laughs> go to the source of where America really came from, a few blocks from where I live. Yes. Now, uh, when we got together in Amsterdam earlier this year, I, I shared a little bit of my story of how you and GTD have influenced my life for the better. Um, and many of my listeners will actually be familiar with GTD as it's a, a very a popular productivity methodology within the IT industry, something I talk about a lot. But if somebody hasn't heard of GTD, if they've been living under a rock, how would you describe GTD to people? It's a set of best practices that are simple to do, but they don't happen automatically. And if you learn to do them and do them consistently, it creates more, more of a sense of control, more of a sense of focus and creates more cognitive space to focus on whatever you consider the most meaningful things. And it's, you know, it's not like, it's not like a foreign language or some new technology. It's really basic, simple, basic moves that everybody knows how to do, write stuff down, decide next actions, you know, create lists, you know, review the list to make sure you in the right, you know, locate yourself in space and time and you're doing the right stuff. So it's, 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 you know, it's, it's kind of the, as you know, it's kind of a big duh, (laughs) you know, it's like common sense. Anybody who keeps a calendar or anybody keeps a posted on their fridge to keep track of food they need to buy at the store is already doing that is already building some sort of an external brain to externalize all this. And you know, your head's just a crappy office. So I just figured out the algorithm of how to get stuff out of your head without having to finish it and be able to then engage with it, free your head up to do what it does much better, which is access your intuition and your intelligence than to try to remember and remind. And the cognitive scientists have now validated all that, but I just discovered it on the street 35 years ago, Mm. built that into the methodology. Yeah. And as you say, you know, you refer to it as duh, which undersells it, if if I might say, but um, it is a very simple concept, isn't it? You know, sort of clear things out of your head to give you the the, the mental space to actually get on and do the things that that you want to do to focus on the importance. And it also diffuses what causes a lot of procrastination. A lot of procrastination starts because people are not sure what to do next and are afraid they're, they, they, they don't want to make a wrong move and they don't know what to do yet. And so they don't, you know, deciding what to do actually takes thinking and decision-making. So I just figured what's the thinking process and the decision-making process you need to apply to that email, to that letter, to that idea you came up with, to, that, to those meeting notes in order to be able to then get those out of your head and actually make them much easier to engage with. It lowers the barrier of entry to engage with your world. And I just you know, figured out that algorithm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I refer to myself or historically as the world's biggest procrastinator. I think a lot of people will probably empathize with that title. When I read GTD for the first time, and I think it was probably within the first six months year of the book being released, um, it was a spooky feeling. I actually thought you were peering over my shoulder and sort of saying, okay, I'm going to... I did. I, I was following you around. That's, that's how I wrote the book. I, I was peeking over your... Through your and watching how you operated. I mean, it was it was life changing from that perspective. I'm not the only person to say that because, you know, they've read the book and it's made such a profound impact. Um, the opposite end of the scale, though, I've worked with some business owners who, for want of a be- better description, sort of revel in being busy. They wear it like a badge of honor. I'm sure you've, you've come across people like this. Mm-hmm. When I suggest GTD to them with a view to clearing their mind, concentrate on what's actually important, they go ahead and buy the book, which is good for you, David, yeah, sure. <laughs> but they don't 
actually read it or not initially. It's sort of like, I guess the, the best um, analogy I'd say is being overweight. You buy a gym membership to make you feel better, but then you never actually go along uh, to it. If you were suggest, to suggest just one GTD activity to those type of people to help them see the impact and then sort of spur them into reading the rest of the book, what would you say that activity could be? Well, I'd make it two different things. They could do, you could do it in 30 seconds. You know, uh, ask yourself quite honestly, what are the things that um, are on your mind? What has, what has your attention right now? A project, a problem, a situation, a circumstance, an opportunity. You know, when you sit down to rest and close the door, what pops into your mind? That's something you're either worried about, concerned about, need, know you need to think about, know you need to do something or decide something about. And just make a list of those, you know, the first 10 things that pop into your head about that. Just write them down and then go through each one of them one at a time and say, well, what's the, if I had nothing else to do but get closure or resolution on that thing, where would I go right now? What's the very next action I would take? Would I surf the web? Would I talk to my life partner? Would I go buy something at the hardware store. What's the very next action if that's the only thing you had to do to get closure on? And answer that answer that question and write those down. Watch what would happen if you did that. Mm. Right. And how you'd feel. Right. I guarantee you you'll have more of a sense of focus, more of a sense of control. And some part of your brain's gonna go, ah, oh, okay. I now know what to do. But it, it so it's it you know, thinking is hard. Come on, you know, let's, let's get real. Thinking is hard to do. It take it, it, it's a cognitive muscle you actually have to train. So training yourself to make next action decisions about things that have your attention. First of all, identifying what has your attention. That's one big habit to install. And the second thing is to make sure that if it's an actionable item, you decide what the action is. And then if you really want to get enthralled and have a fabulous thing, take the next minute and say, well, if one action won't finish this, what's the project? And how would you title the project that you are committed to complete and check off based upon that problem, that opportunity, that situation or whatever? So action and outcome really are the zeros and ones of productivity anyway. What are we trying to accomplish and how do we allocate resources to make that happen? But that's a real cognitive muscle to train because it turns out that those require two different parts of your brain. The outcome thinking requires the forebrain, you know, the, the frontal cortex. And the action decision really goes to the limbic part of you, which is the execution piece. It's the part that gets up and moves and, and you, know, you know, gets, you know, hunts and gathers and, you know, and, and all that stuff. So it, it, it really, you could, but you can train yourself to make those decisions as a more habitual process, as you probably know, but you're not born doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and while you're saying that, you know, I've been doing GTD for forever um, now, you know, I feel as though I know the GTD process. And yet this morning, just before we came on this call, I don't mind sharing with you. I felt a bit overwhelmed. I'm in the middle of uh, a period of travel. Um, and yet what you've just said, again, goes straight back to the core of it, which is I'm trying to juggle the things in my head. Right. You know, um, so here's a, a, you know, a, a, a big question for you that hopefully will have a simple answer. Do you ever get overwhelmed, David? Oh, all the time. I just don't stay there. Yeah. And, and do you use those techniques that we've just talked about? You, of course. I, I eat my own dog food like crazy. You know, <laughs> that's how I came up with all this stuff. I did it for myself. I, I came up with a model for myself to begin with, turned around, started using it with all my clients and, 
you know, my consulting practice and it turned out it produced exactly the same result it did for me. And so, you know, kept it in my act. And then over, the, you know, over the last 35 years, it's been really the basics of it really haven't changed, been very much refined in terms of, you know, how I've understood how sublime and subtle it is and also better ways to describe it to people you know, mm. in terms of what the process is. And you talked about making things habitual. I'd like, just like to jump into that for a minute. So uh, presumably at some point in the past, you realized there was a pattern occurring. Hey, I'm getting overwhelmed. And the way out of this is to do, you know, X, Y, and Z. How did you build that trigger in so that, you know, instead of flapping around and going, oh, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. You, it became a habitual. So you said, fine, I'm going to grab a pen and paper and I'm going to empty my head. I didn't kind of come at it from a, I'm in pain and here's my resolution. I came at it because as I began my own consulting practice, I ran across a, a, a guy who became a mentor of mine for a couple of years who had, who himself had uncovered the get it out of your head, decide next action process in working with many executives and working at organizational change. He just found that that was absolutely critical to begin with to help clear the deck and make change actually possible in terms of the thinking that exists. Level. So Dean shared that with me and he had me do that process. I didn't feel like I was in bad shape, but he sat down and had me empty my head and then decide next actions and everything. And I went, oh my God, what a cool feeling that is. <laughs> I didn't realize how much pressure there was on me because I didn't, I couldn't have, I couldn't have described myself as feeling overwhelmed at the time. Uh, but as I discovered the process, I went, oh my God. And then I went around and said, I started to share that same thing because you know, it created such a clear space and I was very much into clear space, meditation and martial arts and so forth. So I already had that inclination to, wow, that's really cool. The more you can get clear, you know, and let your mind be absolutely free to be spontaneous, you know, to engage with four people jumping in a dark alley or you know, painting a pope, painting or whatever, to clear the space. And <clears throat> so I didn't realize how much unclear space there was until Dean walked me through this and I went, Oh my God, that is really, really cool. So then I, as I turned around, I started using it with not only for myself, but with my clients, it's really embarrassing. If you really want to learn something and build a habit, teach it. <laughs> Cause then you feel really embarrassed if you're not doing what you teach. Right? <laughs> right. So, you know, I wound up being thrust into the corporate training world because somebody at the very senior level, you know, actually at Lockheed saw what I was doing. They said, wow, you need to, can you design a program around this that we can reach a lot of people? So I did and it worked. And so I wound, I wound up being thrust into the corporate training world. And then of course, it's really embarrassing if you don't do this stuff because you're standing in front of, you know, 500 people and, you know, training them how to do something. So it's a real good idea that you demonstrate what you're talking about and model it. And of course, that just so it, it, in a way, it didn't take very long for me to just say, God, that, that is absolutely the way to, to function. Mm, makes absolute sense. Now, I, I want to jump back to something we mentioned earlier on. I said that GTD is being used by everyone from teachers to, and, and this is where people get surprised, um, artists, musicians. Uh, these are the people that you typically think of as rebelling against structure in favor of you know, sort of wild creativity. Um, why is GTD so popular with creative sorts, if I can sort of uh, lump them all in together there? Well, for one thing, it's it's a very, very flexible, open system in a way. I mean, it's not like Nazi wear, as we call it. It's not something that, that, that defines, here's how you have to do that. Here's the, you know, you have to follow X, Y, and Z. There's certain basic principles that are inviolate. 
In other words, if something's in your head, it's in the wrong place. But how you get it out of your head, that's totally up to you. You can write it on your arm. You can, you know, write it on toilet paper. You can record it. You can, you know, you can hire 43 people to just walk and follow you around and then talk to them and let them remind you back when you need it. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to get it out of your head. So it's highly flexible in that way. And at the same time, it does automatically create a whole lot more space. Now, I have to say that a lot of the creatives that are huge fans of my stuff, you know, people like Robert Downey Jr. or Will Smith or Howard Stern, I mean, these guys, they also are running major businesses in addition to their uh, entertainment, you know, spin in terms of what they do. So these guys are, they're some of the busiest people you'll ever meet on the planet. And those are the people that tend to take to GTD. Funny, it's the people who need it the least that are most attracted to it. Because they're, you know, the, it's the people who are already productive, already creative, already aspirational, already forward thinking that are throwing themselves essentially out of their own comfort zone, given their own productivity and creativity. Just most of them, you know, just have, have some improvements or refinements about their own best practices, about how they stay clear and get more space to even do more cooler stuff. So, you know, that's kind of a long non-answer to your question, but... You know, it, no, it, no. I think I think you've 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 absolutely um, uh, answered it there. And, and and just as a side note, David, you know, um, you write an excellent, or you and your team write an excellent email newsletter every month. I'm going to encourage um, listeners of this podcast to go and subscribe to EverettGettingThingsDone.com. Mm-hmm. You feature stories every month, don't you, of people who have implemented GTD? Um, and I love reading about the changes that GTD has helped people achieve. I, um, we'll include a link to that newsletter. Sign up in the show notes. Good. You should go out and um, uh, ask Robert Downey Jr. if he can uh, become one of the featured newsletter people. <laughs> well, a lot of those guys, you know, they get bombarded by everybody that wants them wants their endorsements. So, you know, uh, no need to bother. You know, about that. Yeah, it'd be be great if he did, but uh, yeah. I, I I tend to be a little bit shy to sort of yank people's chains and get their chains <laughs> yanked all the time. <laughs> I totally understand. Now, I want to rewind to something. Um, you mentioned earlier on, you mentioned martial arts, you mentioned meditation. Um, from my own experience, without getting too woo-woo in thinking about this, GTD enabled me to get organized enough to see clearly where I was wasting my time and to gradually become more aware of knowing what I don't know, if that makes sense. Sure. Um what are some of the knock-on personal development effects that you've seen GTD have on others? And perhaps this is a question for you. How did GTD sort of open your mind to some of the other things that you talked about, meditation, martial arts, or did did those things come before GTD? Those things came before GTD. Uh, I I couldn't have really described how powerful GTD was in those terms when I first began to put all this together. But then, you know, kind of retrospectively, in retrospect, realizing that was why I was so attracted to this. You know, I'm very much attracted to clear space. I'm very lazy. That's why that's why this took off in the IT world, because the IT people are almost as lazy as me. They're in a whole business that is about making life easier for people. You know, and, and GTD is an intact system with no leaks in it. So, you know, it's really lean for the brain. So it's it's about no wasted thought. No, you know, it, 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 it does in your internal cognitive process what lean and scrum and agile and all that stuff do, you know, in the, in the outer process. You know, those are great things for the outer process. They don't deal with your inner process, though. And GTD mm. does. So, you know, just what do you do with space? 
it, invariably anybody gets stuff out of their head, decides next actions and outcomes, parks those things in some trusted place, is going to is going to create much more cognitive space. How they use that is up to them. Mm. You know, Howard Stern used it to be able to keep go, doing with his radio businesses as well as then learn to paint, which he'd always wanted to do. Um, you know, Jim Kim, the head of the World Bank, you know, that I've, that I've coached said, you know, his presenting issue was when I go home, you know, with my young kids on the weekend, I did not want to take the World Bank with me. Right. And he's a practicing Buddhist. So it give him gave him time and room to actually sit and meditate, you know, in his executive office. You know, so people use it for all different in, in all different ways for a lot of different kinds of things. I mean, anybody listening to this, if they if they had nothing on their mind right now, it was a tabula rasa, absolutely nothing, nothing <laughs> pulling on them, nothing pushing on them. It was totally clear space. How would you use it? And everybody's going to probably have a different answer. But whatever that answer is, it's probably about some more meaningful or interesting or fun or, you know, creative or or you know, juicy thing in their life, given what, what's important to them. Yeah. Let's, let's delve a little bit deeper on that, if we can, uh, for the moment. We've talked about GTD predominantly uh, for daily productivity, I guess, but now we're sort of exploring how it's uh, effective to, to open up uh, the mind for, for longer-term thinking and planning. Uh, I know that with your martial arts back, uh, background, you're a black belt in karate, um, you've used the phrase mind like water to describe this. Tell, tell me a bit, about, a bit more about that. Well, I stole that from, you know, Bruce Lee Sensei is the guy who sort of popularized that. At least Bruce, you know, uh, talked about that in terms of his own training, where water seems to be weak and, you know, and have no power. Believe me, all you have to do is live in the Netherlands and you'll <laughs> sort of reframe that. And But, you know, the, the, the metaphor or the analogy is basically water is totally appropriately engaged with its environment. It doesn't overreact, doesn't underreact. So it can be rushing, it can be calm, it can be whatever, but it's not, it's not confused. So the idea is that the, a mind like water it just means you're not over or under reacting to anything. You're not taking one meeting into the next. You're not taking home to work in your mind or work to home in your mind. Yeah. You know, that's, so that essentially the, you know, and here's the big secret, Richard, as you probably know by now, getting things done is not so much about getting things done as it's really about being absolutely appropriately engaged with all aspects of your life so you can be totally present with whatever you're doing, cooking spaghetti, watching your girl play soccer, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, having a difficult conversation, whatever. Being present is the most optimal state to operate from because you're not distracted. You have all access to your intuition and your cognitive, you know, uh, f um, resources, essentially. Mm. So it's really about, are you appropriately engaged with your health? Are you appropriately engaged with your cat? Are you appropriately engaged with your eyes? Are you appropriately engaged with the project? Are you appropriately engaged with your business? Are you appropriately engaged with your podcasting? I, you know, that's really it. Yeah. And, and, and one of the big um, sort of trends at the moment that uh, lots of people are interested in is mindfulness. Would you associate the two, you know, what you've just described there, uh, akin to mindfulness? <laughs> Duh, you know, people talk about emotional intelligence. This is mental intelligence. You know, don't let your mind run you. So a lot of mindfulness is about how to train your attention so that you're, you know, you, you, you don't, so you can you know, train yourself to keep your focus on something. But if you need cat food, yeah, you can see, I'm too lazy to sit there trying to train myself not to think about, I need cat food. Why don't you just <laughs> friggin' write it cat food on a post-it on the fridge so you can sit down and have a quiet mind. So, 
you know, and by the way, the universe is always on. So meditation or mindfulness is not about slowing the world down. It's about stopping one aspect of the world so that you can pay attention to the more subtle ones. Mm. Yeah, they're always, they're always on. All you have to do is stop. And of course, now the cognitive scientists have basically proven that your brain needs rest. You know, that you need appropriate sleep. You need naps in the afternoon. You need to sleep on a project, you know, so that your unconscious can, you know, untie the knots and get and, and bypass your cognitive conditionings. You know, there's all kinds of things that they've now been able to prove that that you need rest. Your brain needs to stop. Stop trying to think. It needs to finish its thinking so it can then daydream and can be spontaneous and just follow you know, intuitive hunches. I mean, that's how I like to live my life. People often think I'm, gee, are you so organized? Well, ask my wife. No, I'm highly, um, I don't like to be distracted by anything. So I like the ability to be able to focus appropriately. So I'm only as organized as I need to be. So I don't have to think about what that is. It's in its place. Yeah. So yeah. You know, that, that usually means a clean desk and a zeroed out in basket. You know, I'm, I'm looking, my wife just walked in up, you know, three more receipts in my end desk. And so, you know, if I'm not doing something else, I'm going to clean those up and input that into Quicken and, you know, and have all that done so that I get back to zero backlog again. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's jump into that a little bit further. Um, so the audience for this podcast is typically tech-savvy folk, IT business owners, tech professionals. You've already mentioned, you know, GTD, why GTD is such a, a hit in this sort of tech community. However, there is a tendency for us geeks, and I totally include myself in amongst this, to get distracted from actually being productive by what I would call productivity porn. It's the tools that you can use to implement GTD. Um, you famously described GTD as technology neutral. What does your own GTD tool set look like? Well, we still use IBM notes, the old Lotus notes. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody's ever come up with anything that could compare to what you can do with notes. I'm sorry, it's in kind of in its sunset because very few people really caught it. Anyway, so I use that and uh, I use the task function inside of notes to keep all of my lists. And a friend of mine, Eric Mack, you know, built a piece of software that, that overlay or underlay Lotus notes, uh, called e-productivity that, you know, slickens this a bit based upon the GTD methodology. For instance, if I sent you an email right now, Richard, and I'm waiting on you to get back to me, all I have to do is hit a little radio button when I send that call and the waiting for, yeah. and it automatically puts it on my waiting for list, automatically date stamps it, automatically puts your name on it. So, you know, that's a pretty slick way to, you know, to reduce friction in terms of, you know, how you, how you use technology to do that. But, you know, I used a paper planner. I used an elegant Danish paper planner time system you know, uh, for 20 years, uh, probably no better tool than that to really be able to see quickly in your, you know, a, a larger context or map of all the different things that you're involved in, engaged in, how they relate to each other. Computer screen can't do that uh, yeah. not yet anyway. But anyway, so if you're highly disciplined with the GDD process, you certainly, did, you can make the digital world work really well. But, you know, I use all the standard stuff. I use Word, I use Excel, I use Snagit, I use, you know, I keep, I use Evernote basically for informal digital reference material and check this because they're so fast and easy and they, you know, it syncs to my iPhone and my iPad, you know, as well as, as well as the Mac. So, you know, I just use some of those basic standard tools. I use the brain, you know, Harlan's tool, the brain, which was uh, a fabulous tool for, 
you know, it's, it's kind of a mind mapping connecting tool. It's not, it's not a rigorous database, but it's an informal one. That's very, that's very, very sexy and very cool. Uh, I've used that for years. And what else do I use? Hmm. Well, digital. Well, obviously I have my low tech stuff. You know, I have my note taker wallet that goes with me wherever I carry credit cards, you know, and it has a little notepad and a cool little pen. Uh, I have a, I'm staring right now at a small little, you know, A5 size notepad on my desk with a pen right on it because God knows when something's going to strike. I need to write something down. And I have a physical in basket. And, you know, I've got just a simple little reference system. I have a, a, a alpha, simple alpha filing system. It used to be four drawers. Now it's just one given how, how you know, how much, how much we can digitalize and PDF stuff these days. And, you know, that, that, that's pretty much it. Yeah, it doesn't have to be complex, does it, at all? At all. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, on the topic of pen and paper, I also prefer writing notes, um, which sort of surprises some of my peers in the, the IT industry, fellow geeks, because they're like all about technology. Um, mm-hmm. I'm all about technology, but I prefer writing notes and then scanning them in electronically for storage and retrieval. So, you know, I, I do something that sounds not dissimilar to you. I write stuff down and then, you know, convert it into um, uh, into PDFs. What, what does your note-taking routine look like? You know, do you, do you literally write things down with pen and paper, tear it off in, in, in the entry and then get yep. scanned? That's, yeah. that's what I do. Because for the most part, I don't even bother, you know, for, you know snapping a picture or, or scanning any of the handwritten notes. Every once in a while, I might do that. But for the most part, I need to think through what's on there. See, I, I need the freedom to write all kinds of crappy ideas and all kinds of stuff. And then later on, when I'm in my executive thinking function mode, then I can sit down and say, okay, what does that mean? What's the action step? What am I going to do about that? Where does that go? And then I'll digitalize that stuff because that's just easier to, you yeah. know, for me to, to, to capture all of that. But I, there's a second thinking process. That's the problem is a lot of people com- confuse capture with organize. And they're very different functions. And if you do that, you won't capture a lot of things because you think it has to be organized to capture it. Or you're capturing a whole lot of stuff you actually don't need to organize because you're now over, now you're, now you're just sort of gathering all kinds of crap that's, that's falling into, into going to lie fallow somewhere. You know, so you need to be able to, you know, step two of the, of the getting things done five-step process. First is capture. I need to identify what's got my attention or what might have my attention. That's note-taking. You know, whether you're in a meeting or whether you wake up with an idea or whatever. And then, but step two is then you need to then throw, be able to throw away that note because you've taken what you've written and made a decision about, is this actionable? Is it yes or no? If no, it's you, you toss it, you, you, you file it or you trigger it for later review. Uh, is it actionable? What's the next action? What's the, and one action won't finish it. What's the project? And that's a very, that's the very simple, but very powerful algorithm about how you actually clarify the things that have your attention that you've captured. So if you don't go to step two, then you just wind up being a compulsive list maker and you just, then you're throwing stuff all over the world and it's going to crawl back up in your psyche and take up room again. If you're not getting the backlog emptied, emptying all zero, the, you know, and all kinds of people are complaining about, oh, zero and asking, oh, come on, that's too much work. And, you know, I go, well, great. Just let your mailbox fill up. <laughs> Just let your garbage bin fill up. Hey, why not? Yeah, what the heck? It's too much trouble. You know, grow up. <laughs> you know? 
I understand the issue because there's the volume is huge out there in terms of the digit the digital stuff coming at us. But you have to then go through that second process of deciding what these things. What is that email? Is that something to do something about? Is that reference? That's something I need to be re review again and as a, in a trigger, you know, two weeks from now. What? 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 what, what? So thinking about all that stuff is a second stage, and you got to train yourself to do that. Do it on the front end, and then organize the results. You know, park the results in appropriate places so your brain doesn't have to have the job of remembering and reminding you. Yeah, absolutely. And you touched on something there, didn't you? Inbox zero, you know, um, um, clearing everything out there. When I'm, I'm sort of uh, sharing GTD with people within the tech industry, they are absolutely flabbergasted that it can get an inbox to zero. I say, you know, it's 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 not a case of doing everything way there. It's about saying, okay, that's going to be moved away. That's going to be put on a task list or, or, or something there. It's just not going to be sat there blinking away at me saying, um, reminding me constantly, the inbox is not a, re a reminder system for me so that's that's how i use it yeah right so you touched on one of my favorite gtd tools the note taker wallet i've just got to tell you actually um it's incredibly hard to get a hold of here in the uk um so uh, one of my dear uh, us based friends matt cleary who sadly uh, passed away earlier this year gifted me one um from uh, texas over there so it's something i find really really useful it reminds me of matt every time i uh, i take it out which is a lovely thing as well um but you could replicate that couldn't you easy just with a sure. uh, just carrying a pen and paper all of my coats yeah. have got pens and paper in so i've effectively got you know a note taker wallet wherever i go there so yeah no it's great no no wi-fi required no batteries required yeah exactly yeah. never runs out Let, let's move on to something else that you've um uh, gtd introduced me to and that's the concept of a someday maybe list so those tasks that perhaps you want to achieve but not right now can you share a bit more about the thinking behind the someday maybe list well, in a sense, everything is someday maybe except talking to me right now, right? Because the world could end in five minutes and, you know, we didn't get to any of the rest of it, you know? So it's kind of like, what kind of shelf do you want to put it on? So, you know, I think it's an important distinction to make between projects or activities or things you, you, you would potentially like to do, but you either don't have the bandwidth to do them or it's not timing to do them yet, but you don't want to lose the idea. So it's a very creative process. You know, uh, uh, probably one of the best ways to describe that, I had a very sophisticated guy go through one of my seminars. Actually, he, we coached him and, and he's, been, he's been around my stuff for, you know, quite a while. But his big, one of his big ahas was the Someday Maybe list because this guy, you know, he's a very senior consultant with major global companies, executive level, C-suite kind of consultant kind of guy. But and he was always coming up with cool things that he could do for different clients. But then at a certain point, he just kind of got burned out because he thought he had to do something about all of those ideas. Right. And it was just, he was just overwhelmed, he just blew his fuses. And so when he realized, wait a minute, I could have a someday maybe list. Uh, here's things I might want to do with that client or with any client or whatever. And it said it totally opened up his creative process again. So that he didn't feel like he was blowing fuses or being constipated in terms of his thinking anymore. It gave himself permission to have the idea but not have to move on it. So a very simple practical distinction I make is someday maybes do not have next actions on them. They're just reviewed on some consistent recursion to see if I'm ready to activate them now or not. And my someday maybe list is longer than my project list. 
you know, it includes taking a balloon ride. It includes, you know, writing my memoirs, includes a lot, a lot of things, you know, that, Hey, that big, that might be cool at some point to do that. So I don't lose the idea. And oftentimes, oftentimes the someday, maybe things actually just happen because all you have to do is start focusing on anything, you know, and they, they kind of slip in, you know, just in, in spite of yourself. So it's a very creative uh, list to have. Yeah. And what you just said makes absolute sense about, uh, you know, they just happen. Um, so I've actually, if I share with you my someday maybe list, I've got a someday maybe list that's in Evernote, you know, stuff that just gets put off there that I review, you know, uh, maybe once a week or whatever, just have a quick scan through. But I've also got a bucket list. And that's mm-hmm. a, f- a phrase people, of course, will be familiar with. Things that you want to do before you kick the bucket. And I review that typically once every three, six months. You know, I go back there and do it. And I have things on that list, such as uh, go in a hot air balloon, uh, catch a helicopter ride over New York, um, lots of other things like that. And it surprised me, uh, David, that when I was reviewing this after three, six months, I was knocking these things off. You know, I'm, I'm actually <laughs> yeah. going and doing it. And yet I hadn't set out to say, right, in the next quarter, we're going to, Claire, you and I are going to book a, um, a hot air balloon ride. It just happened. So there is something about sort of lodging those ideas, getting them out of your head, but then they get lodged subconsciously and you look for opportunities to do it without thinking about it. True. It happens. And uh, by the way, just for your information, because I can do it very easily with the software I have, I actually, I actually, uh, subcategorized my someday maybes. So I have creative someday maybes. I have my company sort of professional someday maybes. I have explore someday maybes, like take a canal boat vacation on board on the on in the Bordeaux region, or, or take a houseboat cruise on the Thames, you know. And then sort of personal someday maybes, and then someday maybe reads, and then unhooked. Like if I truly have nothing else to do in my life, Latin dance classes. Ooh. How cool would that be? Right? Oh, wow. Balloon ride, whatever. So it was just kind of fun just to play with that. I, 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 I didn't see what would show up when I actually sorted my someday babies into the sort of the different categories. But you've done that. You did that quite simply between the bucket list. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Let, let's talk about something um, we've touched upon there already. I've been using GTD since 2002. In all that time, David, the one thing I still struggle with to this day is the weekly review. Is the weekly review. How did you know I was going to say that? You're the only person on the planet who has that problem. It might be because yeah, every GTD um, has struggled the weekly review. When I don't do it, I suffer. When I do a weekly review consistently, I thrive. Why? Help me out here, David. Why am I not doing the weekly review consistently when it is so powerful and helps me to thrive? I don't know. Why do other people struggle with this? What, what, have, you, have you spotted any sort of uh, uh, links why people struggle with it? Yes, they're human. I haven't met anybody who loves doing it regularly. I think I have. I think I've met one or two people that say, absolutely, they rigorously, they never fail to do it. I still have to get myself to do it. You know, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that it's going to force you to think from a higher horizon about your life and what you're doing. And, you know, grapple with all of that and, and say, where am I right now in space and time? How am I doing as a human being right now? So I think it just, you know, in a way kind of holds up the hand mirror to you. Hey, Richard, what's up? How's your life? You know, what are you doing? So I think that's probably part of it. I think part of it is, you know, just the, the, you know, it's one of those, the old saw that, you know, when you most need to plan is when you least feel like doing it, you know. 
so when when you most really need to get organized is when you feel like you don't have the time to do that. Yeah. So I think we resist our own success, you know, for multiple reasons. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Um, I've got a lot better at doing the weekly review, I should say, for all the reasons talked about. Perhaps uh, if we were speaking another 15 years, I might have got it to doing it three times a month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we call it the monthly <laughs> weekly review. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so uh, uh, um, another challenge that I've seen people wrestle with is when they pick and choose elements of GTD to implement. Um, so we talked about, I, you know, I sort of empty my mind of everything um, from hiring a new employee to buying cat food. How do you understand, how do you help people understand the pairing emptying your mind of everything, not just the things they consider important? I, I've tried for 35 years to convince people why this is necessary to do. Um, actually, you just have to start doing it and then see how it feels. You know, so cognitively, it doesn't make any sense. It's a little counterintuitive. Why should I give as much, you know, effort to buy cat food as I do, you know, create a, buy the company? Well, the funny thing is, is if all that's still in your head, cat food will take up as much space as by the company and either one will wake you up at three o'clock in the morning. So if you don't give appropriate attention to anything that has your attention, it'll take more of your attention than it deserves. So that's why you deal with the small stuff because it's small stuff. Don't take up any more cognitive room than you need to. And if you're not going to buy cat food, give your cat away. You know <laughs> what? Yeah, you know, come on, duh. So you know you it's 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 just dealing with your life. Once you understand, at least if you if you catch the idea that your head is for having ideas but not for holding them, that means nothing in there. And you know, because what you want to do is create clear space so you can really focus on the meaningful stuff or the fun stuff or the interesting stuff or the intuitive stuff or the intelligent stuff, which is what your mind is for. Right. But it's not for it did not evolve to remember, remind your brain did not evolve to remember, remind, manage priorities or manage the relationships between more than four things. Now, they, that's the new the new you know, research. Mm. So. If you just understand that, then why on earth would you keep I need cat food in your head? You know, that's really stupid. <laughs> and the cat goes hungry, which is a shame. So Yeah, right. Well, if it jumps on your face, you'll then probably go do something. So, yeah. yeah. What does a typical day look like for David Allen nowadays? There is no typical day for David Allen. <laughs> Not really. I mean, it, it is slowing down a little bit. I mean, come on, I'll be 73 next month, so I guess it should. Uh, but, you know, again, we've we've shrunk our business from, you know, having, you know, from delivering and, and marketing and delivering, you know, in, in the U.S. We've now got a great partner handling that. So we're now really in the IP licensing business. So we're down to eight, eight of us. So there's much less complexity in terms of my world. Uh, you know, my day is actually my day starts the night before the night before I'm looking at what's the hard landscape for the next day or two. So I can see how long I can sleep because I love sleep. Oh, I just love to do that. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, I'm looking at where do I need to be? What do I need to do? Kind of let my brain see that and be able to sleep on the things that I've had, you know, commitment to handle, you know, hard landscape as we call it, you know, the next day or day or two. And then, you know, I wake up in the morning and of course the dog sometimes just have to take the dog out and I have a glass of lemon water to cleanse, cleanse my system and then, you know, make a pot of 
uh, fresh brewed, uh, you know, French pressed, uh, nice coffee, wonderful you know, stuff. Read the New York Times, the, you know, play a game or two, maybe check Instagram and, you know, social media things just to kind of as I'm waking up and then I do whatever, whatever I feel like doing. So, you know, it, 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 it what helps to be able to have that freedom to do that is that I do fairly regularly week, weekly reviews, which kind of hardwires your intuitive intelligence to notice deadlines that are coming up, things that have to happen, you know, a, a larger sense of essentially the, the game I'm in. And what are the important things that I need to put my attention on? But that's, you know, essentially you don't have time to think. You need to have already thought. So building in the, you know, having an external system, having a GTD system, and having a practice of reviewing this stuff and, and keeping this. It, it's funny, Richard, you know, you have to use your mind to quiet your mind. You know, a lot of people want to quiet their mind by not thinking or deciding about stuff. <laughs> so, sorry, the, the way out is through. So, you know, I just figured out the algorithm about how do I use my mind most efficiently and most effectively so that it frees it up. And, you know, that makes it a whole lot easier to then navigate spontaneously, which is what I like to do. Mm. I want to pick up on something that you said there um, a, a few moments ago, and that was about you prepping for the day ahead the, the night before. Yeah. Um, as we do this call, I can see, you know, you're in your home office there that I can see uh, books around you. I'm in my home office. Um, I work from home. Um, and one area where I've struggled with um, is a daily shutdown routine. So that's almost, you know, coming to the end of the day and saying, okay, what's going to go on ahead? And I th um, almost to the point of, I want to make sure that I can relax and enjoy my uh, the, uh, evening with my family. Any tips on doing that? Well, so start, you start your review before you do that. Hmm. Just whenever you say, hey, I'm going to close up, I'm just going to go unhook, not focus on any of this stuff, just take a quick scan through everything, see we'll have all rest. Yeah, as simple as that, and then just make sure that, yes, and then just close down for the day. It's simple as that. I like it. <laughs> well, and you know, I have a famous saying that you can only feel good about what you're not doing when you know what you're not doing. So you need to take a look at the inventory of all the things you're not going to do that night and go, that's fine. Family's yeah. better. A beer is better. A glass of wine is better. A nap is better. Yeah. Walk the dog is better. Absolutely. Makes sense. Yeah. Something else that you and I uh, share in common, um, probably you more so than me, travel. We, we travel a lot. Now, I know um, you're in this wonderful location in Amsterdam. You shared with me you can get from home to Schiphol Airport in minutes. What, what was your record, by the way, from Schiphol to the front room? It takes me 25 minutes, I think, <laughs> to walk out my door and check in at KLM. You know, so but that's pretty standard because things work here in the Netherlands. You know, wow! You, you've are, just you've just made a lot of people jealous who um, who wrestle getting through security there. Anyway, uh, to travel, I find it knocks my productivity a lot. Um, how do you remain productive when you travel? I like tra I get very productive when I travel. You know, mm. you get kind of it's sort of stimulating environments, but nobody's yanking your chain. You know, you can. It kind of work. You know, if you if I'm on a long plane ride, it's a great time to catch up and do do creative writing, particularly those kinds of things. Um, and you know, sometimes that's that's a good time to do the sort of lighter stuff that I usually don't give myself permission to do, like light reading, magazines. Uh, you know, if I've got about, I don't do a lot of reading, but if there is some sort of neat book that I'm I want to get through, that's a great time to do all that. So. Mm. You know, if you if your life is structured 
you know, like mine is, you just take advantage of wherever you are. doesn't matter. If I'm doing, you know, if if I'm waiting in the dentist office and I don't want to, open, you know, open my smartphone and get hooked into down into any of the into any of that stuff, I'll just sit and meditate. You know, just do nothing. Which, by the way, uh, is back to the mindfulness, folks. Actually, is a challenging thing to do. You know, how well you do nothing is a pretty good hallmark of how well you do GTD. I like that. I can I can see that as a quote right there for the episode. <laughs> um, let's talk about the original uh, GTD book that was published in two thousand and one. I think it was, wasn't it? Right. Yeah, yeah I, I remember picking it up in two thousand uh, early two thousand and two. You revised that book in twenty fifteen, I think it was. Right. Um, and you've also released follow up books like Ready for Anything, Making It All Work. Your latest GTD book that I know you've had a hand in uh, producing uh, surprised me. Uh, and we've bought a copy, Claire and my wife and I have been reading it, uh, GTD for Teens. Mm-hmm. Where, where did that book come from? Well, you know, over all these years, you know, I've had thousands of people say, oh, my God, I wish I had learned this when I was 12. Um, I didn't know how to write this or rewrite it for 12-year-olds. I don't have kids uh, myself. But, you know, people have said, oh, my God, I've got, how do I get this to my kids? They need to learn this now. I just ran across a woman not long ago. Her, her son is 11 who had 500 WhatsApp messages. on his phone. <laughs> You know, so the kids are kind of, you know, they got it in their face these days in terms of how many things are potentially distracting them from stuff they, they might, would, could, should, ought to be focused on. So there were a lot of that. And then I ran across two guys, both of whom have kids and both of whom, you know, been raising them. And one guy's a teacher has been teaching his, you know, eight to 10 year olds in the public schools, the GTD process, once he got it very successfully, by the way. And so they are the ones who really did the heavy lifting of how do we take this methodology and frame it, you know, in a, in a more, um, not childlike, but in a more um, accessible way for somebody. Because, you know, the Getting Things Done book itself is kind of like can be pretty heavyweight if somebody picks it up. Because I just threw it all in there. I just wrote the manual. You know, so it's like picking up a manual for Word. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, that's kind of a little daunting if you're just trying to learn the word processor. So it'd be nice to have a little easier, bar- easier to lower the barrier of entry to be able to engage with something like that. So that's what we wanted to do is make that easier to do. So we still, jury's kind of out. I don't know how many kids are going to actually pick up a book by themselves to do it. In a way, the trigger was writing this for caring adults, parents, counselors, teachers, people who are dealing with kids and want to have you know, a tool to be able to make it more um, accessible in terms of the stories. Mm. Yeah, well, my wife, Claire, she works in schools. We've picked up GTD for teens. You know, it's um, it, it's already made an impact there. So I can tell you it's a, you know, something that I think as the years go on, it's um, you're going to see more and more uh, results come from it. But yeah, uh, very cool. From from teens to teens at heart, you uh, you talked about the fact it's going to be uh, your birthday. You're going to be turning 73 on the day this podcast is released. So please consider this my incredibly <laughs> cheap date gift to you, David. Um, joking aside, you've built this incredible legacy and had such an impact on people worldwide. What motivates you now? What do you enjoy doing with your time on a day-to-day basis? I still work. You know, the biggest miracle of my life is I've been able to make a, a fairly successful career uh, of, of, you know, talking about 12 things. You know, how bizarre is it that I, have, I still am involved and motivated to talk about those 12 things in different ways? And you know, so, yeah, I can't, I can't help talking about it. I can't, if I had, 
if I was never going to see anybody again the rest of my life and I wanted to share something with them that would improve their life, this is what I would do. So, you know, I, I feel totally blessed. You know, God's given me a great gift that I somehow was able to come up with something that doesn't hurt. You know, there's, this is not running with scissors. Anybody does any of this, they're going to improve their life and be able to, you know, see themselves better and do better and, and feel better and get rid of the pressure. So, ah, you know, how cool could it be? Exactly. But when we sat down for, for dinner in Amsterdam, you uh, told me about some of the other jobs you've had. Uh, how many were there? 35 by the time I was 35. 35. Yeah. Uh, impressive. What job would you be doing if you weren't able to make people's lives better with GTD? I'd be a waiter in a really good restaurant. Really? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's very cool. So, yeah. Um, I'm looking at the clock. I can see we're coming to the end of our time together. Thank you so much for your time um, that you spent with me today. I know how busy you are, so I really, really do appreciate it. Oh, it's been fun, Richard. Come on. I, I've had such a kick talking to you about it. I mean, you are the you know the man who created GTD. I just love speaking to people about GTD, which is sort of a weird thing to say. I know I can hear myself saying it. Um, any plans for some you know a conference or a get together of GTD enthusiasts? Here's a little hint we're planning on a, a one-time only gtd global summit in amsterdam next summer wow okay give, give so, me tell me more i'm literally bouncing up and down in my seat excited here tell me more about this gtd summit i can't tell you too much because we're waiting to launch our site the gtd summit site which will probably be up in the next couple of weeks so by the time somebody hears this they can find it just go to gtdsummit.com and you'll see all the information about it. And That's, it's going to be very, very cool. Well, People I'm, I'm definitely from all over the, from all over the world that are part of the network here. I would definitely be there. That sounds like my idea of heaven. Have we got any dates for, uh, for GTD Summit yet? June 2021. Fantastic. It's going in my diary. Before you go, if any of our listeners want to reach out to you, how can they best find you other than buying a copy of GTD? Uh, well, you can always go to our website, gettingthingsdone.com. Got a lot. That's how you can get the newsletter. You can sign up there, and you can you, you can actually reach me through the website if you want, or you can email me directly, David at davidco.com, D-A-V-I-D-C-O.com, and uh, I'm GTD guy on Twitter. I'm uh, D Allen forty five uh, on Instagram. So yeah, I'm all around. So happy to. David, while I'm sure you'd make an incredible waiter, I'm glad you're not. <laughs> I'm really glad that you're still teaching people about GTD instead. So let me take this opportunity to personally thank you for the impact you've had on my life. Um, I really appreciate it. I know I won't be alone in thanking you for sharing GTD with the world. So genuinely heartfelt thanks for all you do. Um, and thanks for joining me today. Really appreciate it. You're quite welcome, Richard. This has been fun. Take care. Thanks so much. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Tub Talk, the podcast for IT business owners. You can find the show notes and bonus content for this interview, along with dozens of other interviews with IT business leaders over at www.tubblog.co.uk. If you enjoyed this podcast, then we'd really appreciate you rating and reviewing the show over at iTunes. Every review helps us reach new listeners and helps raise the bar for success in the IT industry. Thanks for listening, and I'll speak with you next episode. Have a great day. Ha! <laughs> 
Well, there you go. How awesome was that? Richard often tells me that he wants to have video skills like me because I tend to spend a lot of time in front of a camera. Well, Richard, I want your awesome interviewing skills. Anyway, shameless plug time. So if you didn't know, Richard and I are both tribal elders in an MSP community called the Tech Tribe. The tribe is made up of hundreds and hundreds of MSPs all around the world that we've brought together and we help teach them how to run and grow their MSPs. Typically based on the bazillion mistakes that we made running, growing and ultimately selling ours. So you're probably asking, what the heck do I get if I join your tribe? And it's a great question. So instead of listing out all the awesome tools and training we have in there, I'm just going to tell you about one of my recent favorites. We recently created this simple Excel tool that we call the IT budget template. It's an easy way to present IT budgets to your clients to help them plan for and better understand their IT spend. The cool thing is that since launching it, I've already had a handful of our tech tribers send me messages saying that they just used it to help them close tens of thousands of dollars in new business easily. The kicker is that they didn't feel like they were selling at all and their clients loved the process. So if you want to join our tribe and get access to that IT budget template and a pile of others like our managed service agreement template or our proposal template, simply head on over to thetechtribe.com slash tub talk for a super duper special deal for listeners of this podcast. It feels like I should be including steak knives, but sorry, no steak knives. Anyway, enough from me. Again, congratulations, Richard, on hitting 50 episodes and bringing on awesome guests like David. And I hope to see you, oh faithful listener, inside the tribe one day soon. I'm Nigel Moore, over and out. Hey team, this is Richard again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is MSP Insights. Now, every Tuesday, I share my thoughts on the business of IT with you, the managed service community. Thousands of managed service providers already subscribe to MSP Insights. It's easy to sign up, easy to cancel. MSP Insights is basically a short email from me every Tuesday without fail with advice on growing your IT business, plus cool resources I found, discovered, or started exploring that week. It's kind of like my dark of cool things and often includes articles or books I've read, tools I've discovered and events I think you'd be interested in, often sent to me by my friends and Tub Talk podcast guests. So if that sounds fun, a short tiny bite of MSP goodness every Tuesday and you'd like to try it out, just go to go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. That's go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.